Hi, Pastor Chuck here, and I want to say thank you for listening with us today. Hope this message from God's Word encourages you, challenges you, inspires you, and reminds you of how much God loves you. You know, this is vacation season. I mean, June is when people start, you know, the kids are out of school, so a lot of families will be you know, taking vacation right away. Um, uh, even if it's not like a full week vacation, people start taking those weekends where they go to the lake or the river or uh, things like that. And it's, it's, it's vacation season. And we learn a lot of lessons in vacations. Uh, we learn a lot of things as we make those trips that we can also learn that have a, a spiritual application to them. So that might be kind of fun, just kind of have a little summer vacation theme for the next few weeks and uh, look at a couple of things we can pull out of those summer vacation uh, experiences. And then we also see shown in scripture and uh, see what we can learn from them. So that's what our series is going to be this uh, month is this summer vacation. Uh, I think I subtitled it, The Things We Learn Along the Way. When you think about vacation, what are some of your, your favorite memories from vacation? Is it certain destinations you went to? Uh, was it just uh, certain things that happened? You know, maybe it was just the, uh, the the people that were there. You know, the fact when you go on vacation, you're going with the people that are closest to you. And, and those memories are really special. Um, but vacations carry a whole lot of different uh, emotions with them. And uh, some some good, some bad. You know, I mentioned that vacations carry a lot of emotions. They're, they're not always good. You know, oftentimes we look back at vacation, remember things. We remember the good things, right? Um, but if we stop and think, we also remember those times when, you know, brother and sister were fighting, when we were tired, we were hot, we were lost, whatever the situation was. Uh, it's, it's a mix of, of good and bad. And I think vacations in that regard are kind of a, a microcosm of what life is like. You know, we, we go through periods of time where life can be rough, life can be tough, challenging, uh, not what we want it to be at the moment. And then things happen and, and, and good things come out of it and we enjoy uh, where we're at at a different point. That's what vacation is, you know, especially for a young child. You know, that, that long drive, if you're going to, to Disneyland or uh, to another theme park, can seem to take forever when you're young. Oh, are you there yet? Uh, you know, how much longer? Are we going to stop and eat? Uh, you know, I, I need something to listen to. I need something to do. I'm bored. All those, all those comments. And, uh, you know, it can take forever. But then when you get there, you forget all that. You know, it's, they see the, the roller coasters. They see the, uh, you know, the different rides. And it was all worth it. And uh, so we'll kind of think about that as we get into this, uh, our, our scripture this morning. And our scripture today is going to be taken from Exodus chapter 16. We're going to read the first 16 verses. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. The congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. It shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, and even then you shall know that the Lord hath brought, hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. In the morning, then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. 
And Moses spake unto Aaron, saying to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. It came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. When the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it of every man according to his eating, and omer for every man, according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. So we have that, uh, that, that passage there of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And I think I've mentioned that passage uh, recently. I can't remember exactly which sermon it kind of tied into. But as I was thinking about this uh, summer vacation theme, it was one of the first passages that came to my mind. Um, you know, because it's uh, it sounds a lot like the kids on vacation, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm hungry. Are we there yet? It's hot. Uh, you know, I, I need to potty. Uh, oh, the, the joys of summer vacation. Uh, you know, can, can you can you remember those moments? Uh, you have any of those stories to tell of of fun things that happened on a, a vacation that maybe didn't start off as being a fun thing? Um, you know, it, it's amazing how even the sweetest children. Uh, can turn into little urchins under the spell of a road trip. <laughs> you know, like what happened to these sweet children? Now they're in the backseat fighting and fussing, and and uh, it's just the magic of vacation. <clears throat> and yet we do it again and again, right? Because we get an outcome. Uh, we get uh, what we're looking for in the end. It's just that in between part. Um, you know, I, I heard it said uh, that Mark Twain has been credited as saying that we shouldn't complain and talk about our problems. Because 80% of the people don't care. And the other 20% of the people probably think you deserve them. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of a, a funny quote there. You know, hear people say, well, you know, it doesn't do me any good to complain. Uh, I guess that's probably true. But yet we often do, don't we? As I was going through this <clears throat> passage this week, uh, getting ready for today, this really spoke to me. I, I'm as guilty as anyone of, of complaining, of wishing something was different, of, of voicing that. And uh, as I started looking at this passage, it just it, it struck me how much the children of Israel, how similar their, their journey was to that of you know a vacation and to that of our lives even today. It's easy to pull back and criticize them and, and see what they were you know going through. But if I turn the lens on myself, <clears throat> I, I do the same thing. And uh, so we have to be careful and really <clears throat> watch and, and evaluate. You know, it, it, that passage in Exodus, it talks about how they took their journey from Elam and uh, <clears throat> came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And uh, this is the 15th day of the second month <clears throat> after they left Egypt. So we're, <clears throat> we're like two and a half months away from, from bondage, from slavery. Uh, they, they've, uh, you know, God has walked them out of, out of slavery and <clears throat> he's brought them into the wilderness. And uh, <clears throat> it says the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. It says the whole congregation, like everybody, it, it seemed like everyone just kind of joined in. Can you imagine what Aaron and Moses were going through? Because now you have this 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 group of people, uh, li- likely a million people there, um, and and they're all complaining, you know, that you brought them here, that you're the one that's supposed to fix their problem. <clears throat> As the children of Israel said to them, "Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, 
We sat by the flesh pots. We did eat bread to the full. We have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Notice the, the negativity. Oh, we're going to die. Life was better as slaves. I wish we were back in bondage. Can you imagine anybody saying that? I wish I was a slave again. That, that's just a ridiculous statement. But they were so focused on the, the problem right there, what they wanted and what they didn't have, that they were saying, I wish, wish we were back in bondage. You know, Paul warned the church at Ephesus of this kind of uh, negativity, of this kind of thinking. And uh, Ephesians 4, verse 29, he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, we often use this, this passage to talk about, you know, guarding our speech and things like that. But if you look at the uh, what it's talking about here, it really applies to what's happening there in the wilderness with the, the Israelites. That word corrupt communication, that word corrupt just means it's rotten, it's decayed, it's bad. Like you might describe a, a piece of fruit that's no longer good. It, it's corrupt, it's, it's rotten, it's, it's, uh, it's useless. And it's saying don't let that kind of communication come out. And the emphasis here in this passage isn't so much on the communication and what it is. It's on the impact that it has on the hearer. Does it lift them up or does it bring them down? Does it give grace or does it bring judgment? And that's what he's saying. He said, don't let this corrupt communication, don't let negativity, don't let uh, you know, things that the uh, words that are just there to, to tear things down. Don't let that come out of your mouth. Make sure that what's coming out of our mouth is something that builds up. That's what that word edifying means, to, to build something up to build someone up, to encourage them, to lift them up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. It may remind them that, that, that there is hope for them, that God has a plan for them, that he is working in their life. You know, our words are so powerful. Our words can, can uh, tear things down or they can build them up. And that's what happens here in the wilderness. It probably started with just a handful of people, one or two going, oh, this is, this is horrible. Look at this. Uh, there's nowhere to, uh, to, to live out here. This is, this is ridiculous. We're out here. We're just going to die. The next thing you know, it's kind of spreading. And the next person's like, yeah, they're right. This is horrible. I was better off. I had a better place to live back in Egypt. And other people were chiming in saying, well, yeah, well, we had plenty of food there at least. You know, we might not have been free. We might not have been happy, but at least we had food to eat. And it kind of spreads. And it starts to bring everybody down. Next thing you know, we're at that point where, you know, the passage is saying that all of the children of Israel, the multitude of the children of Israel is, is, is calling out to him is fussing at him. You know, this is not good to edifying or lifting up others. Listen to what they say. Um, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, we did eat bread to the full. Who brought us, you brought us forth to this wilderness to kill us with hunger. Now, it's easy to look at that kind of that conversation and say, okay, is it, is it positive or negative? It's simply negative. This is flat out complaining. The, the problem is that the negativity and complaining spread like a disease. I think that's what Proverbs is telling us as well. When it talks about how negativity can, can spread like a disease. In Proverbs 17, 22, it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. As I mentioned, our words have power. They affect us physically as well as mentally. And they affect those around us even physically. The, the, the question is, are we living in contentment or joy, in joy? Or are we living in negativity and complaint? And, and that's not a question to say, okay, well, I think I'm doing uh, pretty good here or there. It's a daily question. It's a daily struggle. When I wake up every day, I have to make the choice. Am I going to focus on, on uh, you know, what God's doing in my life? Or am I going to focus on what I wish was happening that's not happening? Am I going to focus on uh, encouraging others, building up others? Or am I going to focus on what I didn't get that I want or what I don't have that I wish would happen? 
it's, it's, a, it's a perspective. And it happens daily. It happens even throughout the day. We have to adjust our, our attitude. And it's, a, it's something we have to work on. Um, you know, it's uh, usually unnecessary um, to, 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 to complain because God's already at work solving the issues we face. And that's what we see here in this passage. That's what I love about the story is we see that their, their complaints, while they were probably valid, I'm sure they were hungry. Uh, they had traveled a long ways. They didn't have as much food as they had had uh, back in Egypt. They were having to adjust to a different lifestyle. I'm sure there were discomforts, but they blew it out of proportion. And they were just so focused on all these discomforts. They couldn't see what God was doing, but God was already had a plan. He's already working. And that's what we see here in this passage. It says, then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. God already has a plan. And God never misses a chance to show our heart condition. Even as he's preparing to, to bless these people, even in the midst of their murmuring and complaining, even as he's doing that, he does it in a way that, that, that will he, he'll be able to see whether they're going to be obedient to it. Will they keep their end of the covenant? Or are they just being selfish? Are they saying, no, God, do for me, do for me, do for me. You know, the God had entered into a covenant with them saying, I will, I will be your God. I will protect you and I will, I will walk you into the promised land. But you are, to, you are to be my people and you are to be obedient to what I command. It was a, an agreement they had made. And, and he's saying, I want to see if, if you're really a part of this agreement or if you're just saying, give me, give me, give me. You know, selfishness really is at the root of complaining, isn't it? I mean, remember the road trip complaints that I mentioned on vacation? I'm hungry. I'm bored. I got to go pee. It's all about me, how I feel at this very moment. You know, that we've been on the road forever. Where are we going to get there? It's hot in here. She, she's on my side of the car. <laughs> you know, all those different things. It's all about me, uh, my comfort, my wants. It's selfishness. And that's what complaining is, is really at, at the root, is about selfishness. It's about focusing on me and what I want and not worried about what, what God may be doing. It's all about me. It goes on to say, it shall come to pass on the sixth day. They shall prepare that which they bring in. It shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So God's given them, I'm going to feed you in a miraculous way. You're not going to believe this. You're going you're to see something that's going to that's amaze you. And when I do, I want you to do it a certain way. Um, he said, I want you to twice a day, I want you to go out and gather up what I'm going to give you. And I only want you to get enough for that day. And, uh, and then he goes on to explain it. And we'll see it in some of these verses. He wants them to go out and gather enough just for them to eat for that one day and for their whole group. And he gives them even a specific amount, an omer per person. Uh, I don't know how much an omer is, but uh, it was a, a measurement. And he said, I want you to get that per person. And, and when you're done, throw it out. Don't keep any more. It says, and Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, at even then you shall know the Lord has brought you out from the land of Egypt. Now, isn't that interesting? God is showing them his power. God is showing them his care for them. Did he really need to do that? Did, did God really need to show his power? Didn't he already walk them out of slavery? Didn't he already walk them across the Red Sea on dry ground? And then drown Pharaoh's army in that same water he had parted for them? And then even in, in chapter 15 of Exodus, one chapter before this, he brought them into a place where they, the water was undrinkable. It was called Mara. We talked about it in Sunday Fun Day not too long ago. And, and God did, had miraculously made the, the bitter water drinkable just for them. How many times did God need to show them that he could protect them, that he could take care of them, that he could watch over them? As I was thinking about this this week and, and thinking about the times that I complain and how easily I can fall into that negativity, I had to stop and ask, how many times do I need God to, to prove to me that he's on my side, that he's watching out for me, that he's working on my behalf, that he's doing something, and that I can trust that he has my best interest at heart? 
every single time. It was easy for the children of Israel to, 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 to forget that. It's easy for us to forget that too. It's really about trusting God. And when I complain, I'm showing a distrust in God. And it says in the morning, when you, then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord and what we are. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Notice this. When I grumble and complain, our murmurings, our complainings, our grumblings, they're all against God. Now, do we think about that? You know, when, when I'm complaining, I'm actually complaining against God. You know, I didn't really think about that until I was reading this passage here. And God was saying, you know, look to me. And I kind of thought about it. And it kind of makes sense because I remember uh, when the kids were younger, we'd go on vacation and we'd go somewhere. Anytime I heard a complaint as a, as a, as a dad, I kind of took that complaint personally. You know, I was the one planning the trip uh, for the most part. Christy and I worked together on planning the trips. But a lot of times I was the one, you know, choosing where we're going to stay. I was the one choosing how we're going to get there. And, uh, you know, so if you didn't like the, the, the room, well, that was one I picked out. I'm the one, I'm responsible for that. Don't like the location? Well, I, I brought us here. I'm the one that got us here. So every little complaint felt like it was against me because I was the one doing that. I wonder how many times I do that to God. I'm complaining about this and that. He's saying, look, I, I'm doing everything for you. You're complaining about me. And he goes on to say, and Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. See it again? Our murmurings are against him. We, we might say, oh, I'm just complaining about my boss or my job or my spouse or my car or my health or my finances or whatever it is we're complaining about. But God sees it as us complaining against him. Ouch. That, that's something I don't, I don't want to be complaining against God. I don't want to be uh, murmuring against him. And yet it's so easy to fall into that pattern of complaint. It goes on, Moses tells him again, uh, saying, uh, Moses spake unto Aaron, saying, okay, go tell the people, um, uh, come near before the Lord. He has heard your murmurings. God always hears us. He hears our prayers. God wants more from us isn't complaint. He wants a prayer. He doesn't mind we come to him saying, God, I need you to change this. God, I'm hoping you'll change this. God, I need you to, uh, to, to do this in my life. He wants us to bring our requests and our petitions to him. And we've talked about that in the last few weeks as well. He wants us to make his, our petitions known to him. But there's a, a very fine line between just complaining about everything and bringing our request to him and putting it in his hands and trusting him to do what he's doing. Verse 10 says, And came to pass, as Aaron spake to the whole congregation and the children of Israel, looked toward the wilderness, behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Again, that's another example of where God shouldn't have had to demonstrate his power. They've been led through the wilderness for these, these last two months by a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. How much more visual evidence do you need that God is watching out for you than that? You know, I can turn that on myself. How much more evidence do I need in looking at my life and the blessings that God's given me, the things he's brought me through to know that God is at work in my life? How can we complain in the light of that? It goes on to say, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I've heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, speaking to them, saying, at even you shall eat flesh. In the morning you shall be filled with bread. You shall know that I am the Lord your God. Now, this shouldn't surprise us at all. You know, we just spent four weeks looking at the amazing things that God can do. And we've seen how God was at work even when those involved couldn't see what God was doing. And God here is doing something in the lives of these Israelites. But they've been so self-focused, all they could do was complain. I know I mentioned that this this sermon really hit me kind of hard. Even yesterday, this was after I was had already gotten the sermon ready and we were going. Christian and I were going uh, uh, somewhere to up in the Hueytown area, somewhere we had never been before. So we put it into the uh, the 
Maps app and let it tell us where to go. <clears throat> and we were kind of in a hurry, so we didn't really look at it that closely. You know, you should always read over the directions before you even take off, but, you know, we didn't do that. So we uh, we, we follow it, and it takes us off into this. We got us off at exit 100, for those of you that are familiar with the area. And uh, so it gets us off right there at the Tannehill exit. And it brings us all the way through these, these back roads, all the way up to Powder Plant Road. It brings us back around. Um, and we're already thinking, well, we could have got off you know, the interstate right here. It would have been a lot closer. It brings us back around um, over to uh, uh, towards uh, uh, where you get off on the Walmart exit. And we're like, well, we could have got off there. That would have been a lot faster. And then it takes us on up past uh, uh, Vision Land. And uh, so well, we could have got off at that exit. That would have been a lot closer. And it keeps winding us through these roads, and it finally takes us over uh, into to Brook Lane, over into uh, Hueytown, Allison Bonnet Drive. I'm like, we could have got off at that exit? I mean, there's so many other ways this could have taken us. And I was complaining. I'm like, this is stupid. How in the world is this app taking me all these different places when, when there's multiple ways that would have been faster and easier to go? And, and I, was, I was really complaining. I was just uh, I was uh, you know, kind of frustrated that this thing had taken us so far out of the way um, getting us there. And, uh, you know, as we came back, as we got through where we were going, we were headed back towards the house. Um, we're making a few other stops, but headed towards the house. We got back on the interstate, and the interstate was just stopped on uh, the other side of the road, uh, northbound traffic. We were going southbound at this time, and it was just lined up from exit to exit. And we realized that <clears throat> apparently the point we were putting that in, that accident had already happened. Traffic was already stopping, and it had rerouted us around traffic. Here, here I was. God was, was helping me out. He was getting me where I needed to be, but I couldn't see that. I, I could only complain about the detour, about how this was taking me so far out of the way and how much time I'd wasted by going this extra distance. I didn't even know that had I gone the other way, I might not have ever even gotten to where I wanted to go on time. I, I wouldn't have made it. I'd have been sitting there for hours. God was watching out for me, but I couldn't see it. And I just thought when I was driving back and I saw that happen, I thought, okay, God, I get the message. I, I, I realize what I do. You know, the solution here that he says for the individual, the solution for us, he says, you will know that I am the Lord, your God. If we recognize him as sovereign in our life and say, okay, God, I'm giving you control and I recognize that you can control everything, then I can stop complaining about it. Yes, I can pray about it. Yes, I can bring in my request to him, but I can leave it there with him. That doesn't, I don't, I don't go through the day complaining if I put it in his hands and trusting him to do it. And he goes on to tell him that, you know, in the evening, the quails are going to come up. They're going to have meat to eat every evening. In the morning, there's this dew that's going to fall. When the dew falls and and uh, and rises, it's going to leave behind this bread, a uh, small round thing, uh, as they described it there. And the people called it manna. Um, you know, verse fifteen says, "When the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, it is manna,' for they didn't know what it was. And Moses said to them, "This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat." You know, it, 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 we don't know a lot about what this manna was. We know in verse thirty-one, a little bit later in the chapter, we didn't read that part in today's text, but it says the house of Israel called the name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. This was this was something delicious. I, mean, I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds the delectable, a wafer made with honey. This is what he's given them to eat every morning and every evening. They've got quail. They've got meat and bread. The things they were complaining about, that, that we can't do this out in the wilderness. And God's saying, I can do anything, even right here in the wilderness. You don't even have to go hunting for it. You don't even have to go. You don't have to do anything. But just walk out your door and gather it up. That's what God was doing. And that's the God they were complaining about. He goes on to say, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. This is how he was going to know if they were obedient. Would they only take what they needed for the day, or they hoard extra? Would they trust God for the next day, or would they put their trust back into what they could hold in their hands? You see, we need to move our focus from us to him. Our lives are about him. 
We're supposed to share his glory with the world around us, but that message isn't accurately preached if we're complaining and being negative all the time. Colossians 3, Paul writes, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as in the Lord and not unto men. You know, Paul reminded the, the Philippian church in Philippians 2. He says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Notice that, that juxtaposition he's doing there, that way he's putting these two things together. He's saying it's God that's working. Therefore, we shouldn't be complaining and arguing and fighting. You know, I, I, what are most arguments and, and fights about? You know, it's about comparison, about selfishness, putting me first, getting my way, being treated how I think I need to be treated. It's all about me. That's what the fussing and fighting and the murmurings and disputings are all about. He says, that's the opposite of what we were doing. God is one working in us to do his good, to bring him glory and to bring him honor. God's at work in your life. Even if that life isn't perfect by your standard or compared to those around you, he's at work. And that is our highest honor to have God work in us and through us. Like what David says in Psalm 144, he's here, he's describing what it looks like when, uh, when God blesses us, when God uh, uh, is taking care of us. He goes on to say in, uh, in verse 12 of, of Psalm 144, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. He's describing this is what it would look like if God's blessing us, if we're letting him lead and we're letting him do things. This is the kind of blessings God can do. He goes on to say that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be no complaining in our streets. Don't you find that interesting? He included that aspect of this is what our community could look like if we were truly trusting God. We wouldn't be out there complaining and, and griping because he would be focused on all the things God's given us. He goes on to say, happy is the people that in such a case, yay, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Want to be happy instead of complaining? Want to be happy instead of grumbling? Want to overcome negativity? Make God the Lord of your life again. Just hand it back to him, surrender to him, trust him through everything. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What he wants from us is gratitude, thankfulness. Thank you, God, for what you've done in my life today, what you've done in my life in the past. We're focused on what he's done and knowing that that leads to what he can do makes me not have to complain about what is happening right now. You know, we don't need all the answers. We don't need to know how God's going to meet our needs. We simply need to trust him and obey. And just like that family vacation, you know, usually eventually gives away to some fun. Or at the very least, some funny memories. The thing, the things we go through that, that tempt us to complain, we can simply turn into something that God's doing. Those are the moments that, that can wow us later on. We're going through those tough times, and, and, and we, we come out of the other side and say, oh, look what God was doing. Look how God did that. We see those amazing things. We can look back at what God has done. Why don't we just skip the whole complaining part and wait for God to show us what he's doing? Hope everyone has a wonderful week. I hope it's a week where you can really reflect on how am I doing every single day in regards to my, in regards to my attitude. Am I complaining? Am I the child in the back seat going, I got I to gotta get something to eat. I'm hungry. I'm hot. I'm bored. Are we there yet? And, and just kind of blasting God with all these complaints. Or are we trusting him? Say, you know what? God is my God. And I can be happy to know that whatever I face, he's going to address. That whatever I go through, he's going to work it out for his glory and for my best interest. That's the God we serve.